Hey, what's going on? My name is Lee Hopkins. My pronouns are he, him, his, and you're listening to the Patterns of Possibility podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to helping you replace harmful patterns with new possibilities. And you know what time it is. It's time for an interview. Yay. I love these things. On this past Friday's episode, it, there was an episode about uh, the work, shadow work. So it's about taking care of your health, your mental health, especially when you're feeling mo- emotions that drain you. And I realized that that's something that I had no concept of when growing up, and it's pervasive in the black households. I think that there's a culture of keeping secrets and not talking about how we really feel or think about things. So I thought that I would talk to another black person about that, an actual advocate for black mental wellness. Are you ready? Let's go. So in this episode, I have another interview for you. Hooray! And I'm really excited to introduce you to this guest. Just kidding, because I'm not introducing her. <laughs> Don't introduce people. I let them people tell their stories and talk for themselves. So, Jarena, please tell us who you are, what you do, and why you're here today. Hi, my name is Jarena Fullwood. My pronouns are she and her. I'm a wellness enthusiast, Black mental health advocate, and virtual consultant who executes various human resources and business operations functions. And I'm here today um, to really just discuss what patterns that I have um, recognized in myself that needed to be broken and um, the steps I, I take daily to ensure that I'm doing better. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. You know, you're the very first person that actually mentioned you're here to talk about patterns. And people just like, they introduce themselves like, this is who I am. Hey, what's going on? And this is, <laughs> this is what I do. And then we start having the conversation, but you're here uh, on a specific mission. And that is really important because I know yeah. that relates to the boundaries and the, the things that you talked about, like these things that you're, you were, you do things with more intention and purpose rather Mm -hmm. than having no boundaries and all of that. So um, before we jump into that, you said quite a mouthful at the very beginning of your, it was so like, so high level of what you were talking (laughs) about. What was that again? You said that you were. So I am a wellness enthusiast, Black mental health advocate and virtual consultant. Um, And in my day job, I um, help businesses and entrepreneurs just implement and execute human resources and business operation related functions. Yes. So she is a real people person. She really helps uh, at a high level, though. And I I really appreciate that you would take that back again for me because I I missed it. (laughs) That was all for me, audience. That was all for me. but you said that you are a wellness enthusiast and a black mental health expert, not expert, you can say that, uh, advocate. Yes. So how did you get into those two things? Um, so I have always been drawn um, to the helping profession. Um, so just to give you a little background, um, I went to school for a year for my master's of social work and Mm -hmm. I kind of switched gears and then I went and finished the master's of organizational psychology, but I've always been drawn to mental health because it was something that um, my community, my household kind of lacked. So as a kid, I'm like, this could, if if we did things differently, how could our lives be better? Um, So that's kind of, how I kind of was drawn to drawn to this uh, social work. So yeah, I mean, social work, it shows that you really want to help people because that's yep. what social work is all about. And in my humble opinion, social workers do it as a labor of love because yep. they don't get paid a whole lot of money. 
and they have to spend a lot of time and effort. It's like like teachers, they spend all this uh, time and energy being trained on learning processes and procedures, Mm -hmm. and then they get into the field and they have to deal with these same processes and procedures, red tape, and people who aren't aren't really appreciative, they're more demanding than so. And mm-hmm. it takes a really special person to get into that kind of field. So that's why you switched to organization, organizational psychology. <laughs> Not necessarily. Like there's a big story behind them. And now like in the present day, I do see myself going back and finishing my master's of social work. There was mm-hmm. some work that I needed to do internally um, oh. so that I could show up and be the best therapist or wherever I choose to go um, within the field so that when I'm helping others, I'm not doing it in a way where I'm at capacity. And, you know, when people are at capacity and they're stressed out, then they don't show up as their best selves. So, That's yeah. right. Say that again. <laughs> Say that again. You need to take care of yourself before you can take care of anybody else. Yes. Mm. And that's basically where I I learned that, like, I have to establish boundaries. Mm -hmm. See, that shows up again. It shows up again. So then um, what was, like, do you have a specific instance where you remember that you just got to, something has to change? Okay. So last year, um, March, um, right before the COVID-19 mandated shutdowns, I was a full-time human resources worker and a full-time master's of organizational psychology graduate. Um, and then I was also helping family members through their, their issues and problems. And at that point, like I, I felt like I was just at capacity. I was burned out. Wow. Yes. Yeah. I mean, just doing the full-time work. Uh, of one of those things, yes. <laughs> of one of them. And so you're spending all your free time, you, you have to work and you spend all your free time um, either helping someone else or trying to learn something and yes. focusing, <laughs> studying. That's like your brain is on Overdrive. Like 24 hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you, so you were doing all this. Yep. Do you remember a specific day where you were just like, you know what? Um, somebody has to, you know what, stop, I don't need, something has to stop. And something has to stop. So I noticed it when I would go to work at 8.30, right? And then by the time I leave at 4.30 and I get home and now it's time to execute my assignments and study, do whatever, right? Um, Right. I just was depleted. I had no motivation. My interest and my program, which I absolutely loved, was just like, it, it, it wasn't there. It's like, mm-hmm. I have to write this paper, but I don't really want to write it because right now I'm just like, I'm tired. I want to take a nap, but I can't take a nap. So mm-hmm. I, I realized I'm like, okay, this doesn't feel good. Yeah. And that's, but the, is that one of the signs like where, when you should probably start something changing or setting a boundary or something, because these are things that you came in and you were expressing that you love right at the top. This is like what you wanted to do. And so what was the next thing that happened? Um, So the next thing that happened was COVID. Well, yeah. Well, what I I think what I'm trying to ask is uh, how did you set that boundary? How did you make that boundary? So the boundary wasn't set like right away. It was COVID kicked in and it gave me the chance to slow down, like the school reached out and they're telling all the students or whatever, like, um, we know people are dealing with life issues and family members may become um, impacted by COVID. So just let us know if you need extra grace, basically, or extra time to get things done. So at that point, I had to like advocate for myself. I'm like, hey, like, I'm just super overwhelmed right now. And just be honest. And mm-hmm. I just need a day or two to get this done. Um, so that was just the very beginning. And just looking at past patterns of even being in the Masters of Social Work program, which I told you I left, um, I was kind of burned out there too. So I'm like, yeah. I keep putting myself in a position where I'm a full-time worker, I'm a full-time student, right? And then 
I'm pouring into family members. So I had to really ask myself, what is this? So like, I, this doesn't feel good. Like, I love the work being like of, um, I love being a social worker and helping people in the clinical setting. And then yeah. I love being in human resources and uh, being able to apply wellness to the workplace. But I'm like, when I leave, I feel depleted. So obviously something else is going on. And mm. I realize I'm, I'm, I'm scheduling too much. Um, I'm giving up the time that I don't have. I'm not setting those boundaries. So I really had to do a self inventory or evaluation of all my needs, my wants, um, my strengths and my needs for improvement. Yeah. Your needs, your wants, your strengths. And did you write that down or something? Did you? Yes. So I feel like I'm always in my head thinking, right? So I, a lot of times I jot things down and I'm very in tune with who I am, but I feel like a lot of times we just get stuck in these patterns, right? Yeah. Because for whatever reason, like growing up, I always helped family members um, in whatever capacity, and I never learned to set boundaries. I, I, in a way, I was kind of like a people pleaser. I wanted everybody yeah. to be happy. I, I knew some people were struggling, and I didn't like seeing them struggle. I was able to empathize with them, and I'm like, how can I step in and make their life easier? But I never recognized that in doing so, I was kind of putting a lot of stress on myself. Right, right. It was just a natural kind of reaction or, or conditioning rather that yep. you, you've had where you're just like, well, we need to help each other out. We need to make sure that, you know, um, well, I think I'm reflecting or or projecting my stuff on you because no, I think but I it, definitely <laughs> because it sounds so familiar, right? It sounds so familiar yes. to me. Uh, cause I was, uh, doing the same thing. I was doing, helping, giving money, giving time, giving energy. Yep. And I was expecting something back though. I was expecting to be appreciated and all these things and, and burning yes. myself out. Yeah. You feel that same way too? Yes. <laughs> so yeah. Def definitely. And just like, agreeing because that definitely resonates with me it's just like i'll go out of my way for family members or whoever time and time again right but there was mm. no appreciation but i'm still like no worries like i I'm, I'm just happy that i was able to help but i feel like at some point you get to a point where you're just like i can't do this anymore i'm drained i don't have i'm at full capacity <laughs> like mm -hmm. I, I, I just recently start thinking about life as like or the things that we go through and as like a storage unit, right? So that we keep we keep storing we keep shelving things. So I know that this doesn't make me feel good, but I also know I love helping people. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna continue giving my time. I'm gonna continue giving my energy. I'm gonna continue giving my money. I'm gonna continue giving my resources. And then we realize there's a bunch of takers in our lives and not enough givers. So are we mm -hmm. checking the energy, the people around us? And that that's really where the self-evaluation came in for me. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like there were two pieces that, that kind of happened for you to help make you think, make this change where, well, actually, you know, COVID hit and then it got a time for you to, to slow down. So I want to talk about that real quick and just ask you a question about that. Yeah. So COVID hit and then things slowed down. But yep. if have if COVID hadn't hit, do you think that you would have continued on the way you were or were you already reaching that point? Where you were just like, oh, this is too much. I think I already was at the point where I was like, okay, something has to give, right? Um, mm -hmm. So like I was saying, like, I was already there before COVID. Like, I, I kind of sat back and thought about it at the beginning of March, but that was already a feeling I was having. I know that I was taking on too much, but I was like, I have this goal in mind. I'm like, I have to get it done by a certain time. Like I had these expectations for myself, but I'm like, also, we have to learn to be gentle with ourselves. We have to learn how to give ourselves grace. Gotcha. Um, so. Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of things change since COVID, like um, um, businesses do things differently and they yeah. may never have changed if it hadn't been for COVID. That's what I was asking. Like, well, you were, you're just like a, a high performer your mm -hmm. thing is to go, go, go. You're obviously very smart to be able to do a grad school and do a full-time job 
dealing with people always human resources is dealing with people and going to school dealing with people um (laughs) in that way so I, i imagine that you've already been on that level and you were feeling that you couldn't maintain it you're saying though you is COVID just happened to be a timely thing i feel like i would have maintained it but it would have just i I really would have been stressed out because like i said i'm with the little bit of time that i had left over i'm going back home and i'm giving that time away to family members yes i'm making time for my assignments or whatever or i'm going over time during like the weekends when i'm not working but I didn't have time to practice self-care. Or when mm-hmm. I did have 10 minutes, it's like, I'm too tired. I don't feel like doing anything to make myself feel good. I right. just sleep sleep, sleep is going to make good. me feel good. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> oh, I see. I see. So your priorities at the time were like essentially work, school, yep. family, you. But really, like, was I really on so- that list? Because like, <laughs> sleep is necessary, and I was getting very minimum sleep, so I would like to say that is self that is self care, right? But that's not like an activity that I do outside of the norm that just makes me feel good or just allow me to escape for a moment. Like when I'm asleep, <laughs> I'm not really thinking about anything, right? Unless I, I mean, you know, dreams, but still, like. Mm, yeah, of course. <laughs> and if you were a lucid dreamer, you could dream about all this stuff. But that lucid <laughs> dreaming is different, different topic, different thing. Yes. Um, so then what is self-care? For me, self-care yeah. is making time for myself. It's focusing on all the pillars of holistic wellness and incorporate, incorporating them into my day-to-day life. Um, can you talk about, can you share what holistic wellness is? Um, holistic wellness is just like, it considers the whole person. So my body, soul, um, when I think about holistic wellness, I'm like, am I, um, doing things to enrich myself in areas of physical, emotional, spiritual, um, financial, environmental wellness, and I may have missed a couple, occupational wellness, like all these things that I'm giving up my time, my energy to, is it actually going to make me my happiest and my best self? Um, So like I said, just recently I started, or not recently, I kind of fell off for a while, but I'm making sure that, okay, I'm putting that I'm going to wake up, I'm going to pray I'm going to go to the gym before work because those things help me feel good. They help me set my intentions for the day. Um, I'm going to schedule time to cook for myself. Um, Hmm. I'm going to practice yoga and meditation because those things, those practices help, help me feel at peace. And it just like taking that moment and just learning to just, be still for a moment to breathe. Like it, it just makes me feel good. <laughs> good. Oh well, yeah. I mean, that sounds interesting because like I'm listening to you and I'm thinking about how there's a lot of things that I don't do. And mm-hmm. I remember somebody pointing that out to me where I was just sitting at my desk. This is after COVID is like, yeah. now I can work remotely. So I'm at my desk most of the time, most of the days. I'm sitting here and I'm not going outside and I'm just for a walk. I'm not eating. Actually, mm-hmm. I'm sitting here. I'm not eating anything. And I'm just yep. working, working, working. And someone brought that to my attention. They're like, hey, you did you eat today? What did you have? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no. Should I? I don't even feel hungry. And I weren't paying attention. And I was like tired and stuff. I'm feeling well. And so that health, that uh, self-care is a really big part of being conscious. I mean, you really have to consciously yes. take care of that thing. So yes. <laughs> I wonder, uh, how did you discover all those things that, that really helped you do well? Was that part of that list that you wrote? You said your, your needs, your yep. wants, your strengths. So yes. how did you, how did you do that? So in giving too much of myself up, I recognized that I needed activities or 
practices, whatever in place that was going to allow me to just care for myself in general. Um, and like I said, I'm giving, cause it's, it's still a habit that I'm trying to break out of, right? Like when someone calls me and they say, oh, can you do this? My automatic response will normally be yes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had to learn, okay, if, if I keep giving all my time away, then I'm not going to be able to do anything for myself. So the scheduling came in and I'm like, okay, if I put these on a calendar and I kind of um, give some sort of estimate of when I'm going to do it, there's a bit of accountability. And then there's that sense of, I don't feel guilt. I don't feel like if someone calls me and say, oh, Jarena, can you do this? I'm like, oh, I have something to do at that time. And I can confidently say I have something to do at that time. And um, even like this is something different, but I don't owe them an explanation as to why I need to care for myself. Right. I can just say no, right? Because no is a complete sentence. Oh, my goodness. Dropping the gems here. (laughs) Dropping the gems. (laughs) Because it is true. I mean, no. And I have to explain why is something that would just something naturally come to me. And if I didn't have a good reason, then, well, I guess I can. But self-care, self-care, like you're saying, it has to be prioritized. It's very conscious thing. So you schedule it. You made sure that Mm -hmm. you felt like your natural reaction was to say yes. But if you had time, if you had something scheduled, let's say if it wasn't for you, you had something yep. scheduled and it wasn't for you you would be like no i can't do it at that time yep so that's just a natural thing you do i think that's amazing how you kind of tricked your brain it was yeah. like well it's like yeah well i can't i don't feel like I, I can say no right off but if i schedule this i know it's for me i can say no without a problem yes and then the other thing is like i said like my automatic response is to like almost regurgitate yes i can do it right Mm-hmm. So now I had to like really reflect on that. I'm like, okay, so you say yes, right? And then how does that make you feel? It, like, I feel like I'm forcing myself to do something when I really wanted to do something else. So I had to be honest with myself. Okay. So I'm like, if you know that you'll automatically say yes, the other thing I start doing is telling the person, what do you need a response by? When do you need this commitment to be secured? set in stone give me this time and when they tell me oh by friday or so then i'm like okay give me until friday to review my schedule and then i'll get back to you and let you know if i can do it so now i don't feel like i said yes and now i'm a person if i say it i I have to follow through and i have to give my best effort put my best effort forward right so um and i don't want to break the commitment either um, so now that kind of helps me keep my end of the bargain. So now if I say yes, that means I really didn't mind. I really wanted to do it. Like, it's not a burden on me. It's not going to um, elicit any stress. Yeah, I definitely subscribe to that. I believe in doing that stuff for yourself. You know, you want to make sure that your needs are met or or that you're, re- you're not building resentment. That's what yeah. I mean. You know, building resentment for doing this thing, for not being appreciated, for that expectation. It's like um, the example I like to use is giving uh, people money, like anybody money. And I know it, it could be family, it could be homeless people, it could be anybody. But if I'm giving you money and I say, you want to use ask to borrow it, I know that I can give you $20 without needing that $20 back. And yeah. sure, if you don't pay me back, then I just never lend you money again. But I'm not going to be resentful and be mad at you for a long time. We're just going to have this boundary, this consequence. And so it's like giving that time and energy and expecting something back. But if you give that time and energy and think, oh, this makes me feel good to help my friend, then Mm -hmm. it's set. You know, all the things you said about scheduling and the, the commitments and stuff, that doesn't sound like things I would say to my family. I would yep. say, you know, when do you need it? When do you need it by? And now they're just like, what you mean? I need you to help me now. Now, <laughs> so right? How do you help? How do you how do you set those boundaries with your family? Um, and like I said, 
I'm, I'm really learning and mm-hmm. sometimes I don't even follow through and there's, I'm a little lax with certain family members because I'll be like, oh, you need it. Or let's, let's just say my mama, right? <laughs> so she may say something and I'll be like thinking in my head, like, I don't want to do this. But then I'm like, okay, I'm just going to come through for her. Right. Um, but just being honest, saying, I, I can't do it right now. Can I help you later? And if that person rejects the help, the, the help I can give them later, then so be it. I have uh-huh. to learn that I can't take on other people's emotions, right? Because right. I am like an empath. Like, I feel like when somebody, I, I kind of feel guilty if I can't help a person because you know that doesn't make them feel good being rejected or whatever. So that I feel like that was part of me feeling like I had to people please, but I'm, I'm in a frame of mind now. I'm like, I've neglected myself so long that I can't worry about how me not being able to come through every time is going to impact the other person. Because not, if you look at my track record, most times I have come through. And a lot of times those people are takers and they, they don't really show up for me either. So I can't really, I, I can't take on their feelings, their emotions. As long as I did it in a way that was tasteful, I said, look, sorry, I can't do this for you right now. I have something on my plate. What, yeah. what more do what, they can't really expect anymore from me? Or they just have to learn that now I have boundaries. Yeah. And that is so important you said you're still working on it and everything and it is a a lifelong project to make sure you Mm -hmm. keep these boundaries set up because you're going to have people in that come in your life that maybe will charm you and you will want to help them so much and then you'll realize that all right wait this is kind of interfering with the other thing i said i wanted to do for myself so you have to just be vigilant about that entire process and i wonder since these are new boundaries for you and the other people, how have they reacted to these boundaries that you've set up? People just kind of throw a fit and say, hey, come on, you said you could, you always come through for me. So what's going on now? Um, well, a lot of times when I do say no, especially if it's a family member or if they're dealing with a personal matter, I'll give them some tips or some resources they could utilize. I'm like, I can't step in right now, but you could try this, this, and this. Oh. Um, and Actually, it's been received a lot better than I thought it would be. Um, maybe if, if it's a text message, maybe the person won't respond right away. But I've gotten like, oh, some thank you for th- thank you for sharing that at least. Or and like I said, sometimes I'm like, okay, I can't help this week. But if you you want to take an hour of my time this weekend, then of course I don't mind coming through for you. So it's like recognizing what my capacity is. And if I can, I can, if I can't, but I feel like everybody is responsible for their own feelings and emotions. And if they're taking me saying no one time, one or two times or every once in a while, personally, then they need to examine themselves and do that own personal work. I'm doing my work. So it kind of got to be theirs, right? And then yeah. And I'm sorry, one other thing is, like, I recognize some of the situations that I was helping certain family members with, right? I was helping them dig themselves out of holes. But Mm -hmm. it's like, I'm doing this time and time and time again. So it's like, I can't, I had to realize I can't rescue everyone. I can't save everyone. Um, It is up to every individual to do their own work. I am not responsible for my mother, my sister, my brother, my cousin, whoever. I'm not responsible for the work they have to do. And a lot of times for me, it's like, I don't, while I'm helping a person, I try to teach them too. I'm like, okay, well, like, do you understand this? Or this is a resource and this is why the resource is good. You can take advantage of it. And they may not take take advantage. So for example, like if I tell somebody, oh, you're struggling with this and you keep seeing yourself get in this rabbit hole time and time again, like maybe you should try therapy out. And I kind of walk them through how to find a therapist, what to look at look for in a therapist. Like, and they're like, oh, I'm going to do it. And then they're like, you know, they probably get in their head and they, they don't go do the work. Because doing the work is scary. Yeah. It, it, it's like, it, it makes people uncomfortable. But I'm like, look, you got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And if, mm-hmm. I, if I step to the rescue every time, 
then you're always going to be dependent on me and then you're not going to do what you need to do. So I don't want to make them codependent on me and then I'm kind of hindering them from, you know, growing long term. Exactly, exactly. And that is what I was going to get to, too, about um, I like how you've not just abandoned them. So it's not a wall that has come up. It's just a, um, you still want to help. It's just a a reserve reservation of your time, your time and your energy. And so you're not just like, go figure it out for yourself. You're like, hey, here's some things that can can help you. And I'm going to point you in the right direction, but you also need to do your work, your end on it. And it does get frustrating when you get family members or just people in general who you're helping out of their out of the the hole they dug. You pick yeah. them up, you help them up to the to the surface, and they go get a <laughs> shovel and start digging another hole. Like what yeah. the heck? <laughs> we just <laughs> talked about this. What are you doing? Well, and you go pick them up, and you're just like we same thing. Like, you know what? I'm yes. just gonna. You get to a point where you just I'm, I'm gonna leave you there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And and that's hard for me to just leave someone I love, someone I care about there, and like. I, I well, you mean, don't leave them there. I mean, it doesn't sound like you there. leave them there. It doesn't sound like you leave them there. This is what you do. You go to them, you see that they're in the hole and you throw a shovel or you throw a rope down or something. You're like, you can figure yep. it out or a ladder, figure it out. You can get yourself out of here. But yep. you don't just leave them. You give them some means to, and they have to do the work. They have to step on that ladder and get themselves out. Yes. And even though I do that, I feel like that has been something I've been processing in therapy because I told my therapist, I'm like, look, I'm like, I'm stuck with this energy after when I see a family member who is like putting themselves in the same rabbit hole time and time again, right? It's like I gave you the resources and I'm like, now that I'm at capacity or I don't have room to take on their stuff, because I know how that made, that burnt me out before, right? I'm like, I, I don't know how to just like stand and just like watch <laughs> them try. Like I, I threw the rope down there, like you said, right? Or the ladder. And they, they won't climb it, but I'm just like, <laughs> can I just go and step in? Should I intervene and ultimately yeah. hold their hand and walk them through? Like, mm-hmm. that's something I'm trying, like, but it's all about setting those boundaries and sticking to your boundaries that you have set. Yeah. And like, and when you ask yourself, how, how do you feel about that? You come back with something like, it's too much. Like when you, cause I mean, what stops you from doing that then? What stops you? Cause you set something, well, you either set time on your calendar where you don't have time to go down and help them out. Or you just say, Hey, I, I do want to help you, but. So I'm recognizing, um, like we, like we just talked about, like it, it is everybody's job to do their own work. You can lead a horse to water. I don't know how to say and go. I hope I don't butcher it. But you can't make them drink from it, right? Right. So essentially, I can keep giving you these tools, these resources, but and I can clearly demonstrate how to use them. And if you choose <laughs> not to do that work, I can't take on that. I, I, I can feel bad. I can want better for you, but I can't carry that. Because mm-hmm. if I'm carrying it, now I'm in my head. I'm like, I should just go help them. And it's like, okay, now I, I'm like, okay, I decide that my boundaries don't matter. My time don't matter. And I'm going to help them through whatever they put themselves in again. And then they're not going to learn a lesson. People yeah. have to almost like seek help for themselves sometimes. Sometimes you have to help yourself. You have to encourage, your, encourage yourself. Like you... I mean, I, I'm just at a point where I just like, okay, it may make me feel bad that you're struggling in that moment, but I know that when you do decide, you you have the tools, you have the resources. And if you reach out to me and you, you are like serious about it and you have taken that first step, then of course I may even bend my boundaries a little bit because I'm like, okay, you're, you're actually doing something for yourself. Let me assist you or give you a better understanding of how you what you can do next. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cause it's, I think, um, you know, helping people is part of your self-care. It yep. sounds like, it sounds like it is a very important thing that you do and you set time for that. It's like the thing that you do most is yep. self-care is taking care of other people and helping them. But 
also part of your the success of it or the self-care is to have an end goal is to have an yep. end to it so what i'm saying is like so you have self-care and you want to help people as part of that and helping yep. people as part of that is helping them grow and learn the lesson and yep. if you're continuously putting your energy and effort into someone but they're not getting that lesson it doesn't feel like self-care it doesn't feel like it oh, for no. you. <laughs> yeah and so when people when you see people start taking that first step you're like oh yeah 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 yeah. all right let me help you push <laughs> yep. and you're, you're happy to help them get along because it and you don't mind uh maybe trading yoga to talk to someone because yep. that's part of your self-care it's helping yep. people get to that new level to get this new awareness and and consciousness Mm-hmm. yeah and, yeah yeah but i mean it's 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 really just a journey for me and i'm i'm really just kind of learning and improving what i'm doing as i go because like i said like it it, it took taking my whole lifetime to kind of cult, cult, cultivate this um this people pleasing or um not setting boundaries or helping everyone going out of my way but like one thing I, I keep reminding myself of is like, if I don't have other people or if I'm not pouring into my own self, it's like, then I'm left depleted and unmotivated. And when I'm unmotivated, I'm not showing up at, as my best self. And then my day-to-day -day work that I've committed to, then that may impact that stuff. And I don't want to just deliver any kind of thing. I, I, I want to, when, when you see something I completed or me helping a client, I don't want them to be like, oh, why did Jarena only do a half job or something? Like, so I have to recognize that taking on other people's baggage, it impacts me. Yeah, because again, I want to explore this idea of results being self-care. Because I've heard this a few times where, well, you're a driven person. You went to, you did, I'm so, <laughs> I'm so amazed that you went to um, full-time work and full-time grad program, because that's a lot of energy. That's a lot of time. So you did those full-time and you, and so that means you're like a results driven person. You also talked about in your profession, but we didn't talk too much about that, but results, you like results. And so mm -hmm. that is something that really gives you um, drive. Yeah. So then, so then if you're seeing results with your job, you're seeing results with your school, and you're not seeing results with the work you're doing with other people, that work which you're doing with other people, it may bother you a bit, but you're yep. like, well, I still need to make sure I have energy for the first two. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, that's a great way to look at it, just kind of breaking it down and seeing like, why, why is this important to me? Because I was going to ask you, what is so out of line with saying no? Like, why didn't you say no more often before? So what happened? before were you conditioned to do all this or what happened i don't know if it's growing up in a black household and having to take on like some of the extra responsibilities young or even like because these are usually adults who have these expectations for you to maybe babysit the kids or start cooking or doing other type of activities a little mm. younger than you know we should be i mean not that we should be doing them but um i feel like maybe it was like a conditioning mm -hmm. um and yeah. i'm sorry can you repeat the question <laughs> oh no worries no worries just like what was uh why did you not say no more often was there i'm thinking that there was a fear of saying no so i feel like it was just a a, a thing that started when i was a kid i just did 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 like even i remember being um, having a couple older sisters and they would ask me to do certain things and I would just always say yes. And my father used to be like, are you sure you want to do that? Cause he's like, okay, look, it, it's really your choice. And I don't want to make you feel like you're disappointing your sisters. And if you want to do it, you, you can do it. But I just constantly always was like, oh, I'll help you. 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 So I, I I just really never took a moment to learn how to how to say no. Or ah. when I was younger, I would be like, I don't want to do this. So I would be like, Dad, can you say no for me, or can I use you as an excuse? So I kind of learned to <laughs> use an excuse. So you know, like giving an explanation as to why you couldn't do that. 
when mm-hmm. simply it's just like no. Yeah, no, like you said, is a complete answer. It's a complete mm-hmm. statement. And uh, you don't have to come up with an excuse. You found that, well, you're still working through it and you're finding this out. I want to touch on this idea of being um, in a Black household because you are an advocate for Black mental health. Yep. And I imagine because you're a Black person and <laughs> this is the reason why you are interested in this. And I resonate with a lot of things you say. I think that this is especially important for Black people because of I think that this dynamic of people pleasing is something that has come from the the past and it is just something that's been brought down generation to generation, especially yeah. within black people. Because I think that I know for me growing up, I discovered that it, I was only as good as what I can do yeah. for someone. So if I said no, I was not any good to them anymore. And then I was um, alone chastised. I felt sad because mm-hmm. I couldn't do the thing and they don't like me anymore. And that's yep. the only reason why people would like me is because I can do something for them. I discovered all that stuff's not true, but it was something that I grew up with because my parents grew up with that. They were taught yes. that and their parents were probably taught that and their parents were probably slaves who were only good for what they could do. Mm-hmm. So tell us, is that part of your reasoning? What, what was the reason why Black people should, um, well, that we are advocating for mental health for Black people and and why it's so important specifically for Black people? Um, so like you said, like these habits have just been passed on from generation to generation. And I feel like the cycle has to break somewhere and it's up to individuals to decide like, hey, this doesn't feel good. I don't want this for my life. And actually reflect back on their childhood and yes like um we are conditioned because like behavior behavior influence who we become like our environment and the way we were raised nature versus nurture almost so it's like okay if this doesn't didn't feel good or it made me shelf my feelings my emotions because we're learn we we learn like get over that like we're or we're taught like get over that or whatever or um you don't talk about what goes on in the household or so it kind of reinforces the fact that oh maybe mental health is not something I should care for but I look at it like this I'm like okay we 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 learn to take care of our physical health elements right and and maybe not even to the extreme in which we should we learn we learn that oh we should go to the doctor rather I should say but okay, we, we go to the doctor when we feel ill, but then what happens when we feel anxious or depressed or sad um, because you don't talk about those things? So you shelf, shelf these emotions and you never, you never deal with this stuff. So I feel like it's a lot to carry. So it's, it's, it's only, it, it is necessary in order for individuals to reach their fullest potential and just do better and not raise kids who are going to end up like themselves or like the family members they probably just didn't want to be as kids but because they were conditioned that way they have taken on some of these habits to do the work to be open to understanding what mental health really is and the fact that you get help doesn't make you crazy like we all have these individuals in our family who we see they may have alcohol problems, drug abuse problems, or any other issue, maybe some other psychological health issues. But because we never talked about it and we just like joke around, ha ha ha, that person's crazy. Or like, and really there's a deeper underlining issue. Yes, Um, definitely. So, And since we don't talk about those things, we never know what the issues are. And, you know, it's been, it's for so long, it has been something that has been non-essential, especially in Black households, because right now we're trying to make sure that we keep the lights on and food to eat. And mm-hmm. we got to make sure we got a roof over our head or, or make sure we got a job or transportation to get to that. The mm-hmm. basic needs, and it seems like mental health or wellness is not something that is within that priority. But, yes. but we would argue, I would argue that it is. Yes. And I would as well. 
Because if mm. you prioritize your mental wellness, then you, I feel like you open up your ability to function better from day for um, day to day. Like, um, yeah, there's I, endless possibilities. Yeah, definitely. Um, you build resilience when you know how to handle these things, when you can talk about like, uh, <laughs> I was thinking about how uh, my family and one of the things we did was complain about stuff. One thing that we can talk about is complaining. That's how we connect yeah. on stuff. And if we can just, you know, search for a solution within that or talk about how it makes us feel instead of complaining about how this person is trash or this thing went wrong, <laughs> then we could deal with it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that's something that is essential. Um, we didn't talk about what was going on in the house, in my house. And mm -hmm. I'm guessing it was the same for you. Um, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, people, I, I, that definitely was something that occurred. We complain about why things, why things happen, but nobody sits back to kind of say, why is this happening over and over? Why is this person doing what they're doing? Like, is there some type of deeper intervention that needs to occur? So I feel like we just fall into like these negative habits, like complaining or um, mm -hmm. dealing with issues in a manner that's not going to be helpful helpful and it's going to kind of find us back in the same situation talking about the same things that's mm -hmm. not a, allowing us to grow or move forward yeah exactly it's more like i know the things that came up for me and my victim mindset was that it was somebody else's fault i wasn't getting ahead because somebody else was doing something and there was nothing i could do in the situation i mean mm -hmm. that's what we talked about and never looked at anything that I was doing or what I could do. And I think the key lies within, within that, looking at yourself mm -hmm. and what's going on with you and being able to connect with that comes from having emotional uh, wellness or yeah. throughout this episode, we were talking about how um, you're setting boundaries with your family. And sometimes you give resources to them. You're like, Hey, this is what you can do to, to reach out to a therapist and you have your therapist. I have a therapist. Yeah. And I'm the black sheep because I have a therapist. And yeah. are you the black sheep of your family too? Um, I won't necessarily say I'm the black sheep um, because I feel like as time goes on, my family say they have a better understanding or whatever because I'm, I'm like a person who's like, as always advocated for therapy and kind of explain why. But I remember like starting therapy and... Um, I was out on the road and my Wi-Fi was bad. So I stopped at my dad's house because he was the closest. I'm like, dad, I need to just go in the room and I have a meeting. So after mm -hmm. I got in my therapy session, I'm like, he's like, oh, you had a meeting. I'm like, yeah, I was, I was talking to my therapist. And he's like, a therapist? You need a therapist? You're crazy? <laughs> and I'm like, dad, it doesn't make you crazy. I'm like, we all could benefit from a therapist. And I'm 26. My father will be 76 this year. So there's a 50-year age gap between us, right? Wow, yeah. So, like, I understand some of the resistance, but I was just sitting there. I'm like, just think about it. I'm like, we all do things. We all react in ways, and we have these habits that we could, we, we have because of something in our lives. And we're triggered. Like, why do we get mad or do certain things? And he's like, okay, yeah, I can see that, but he's like, I don't need no therapist. <laughs> I'm just like, okay. Yeah, the therapy is just a, such a negative thing for African-Americans or Black people. It's such a frowned upon thing, but like, how could you see the, I don't know, like, how could you see that point? But again, just say like, like, how could he just kind of agree with what you're saying? Like, yeah, yeah, I understand, but I don't, that's not for me. It's but so, you know, sometimes people say, yeah, 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 just to get you to shut up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, because I know that I, I tell my family that I have a therapist and they're like, well, you should get one too. And they're like, well, God love you. And I don't need one. Uh, that's you. Good luck with it. Yes. Like, and that, that is one big thing. I'm like, God created counselors for a reason. In the Bible, it says, seek wise counsel. So how could you say, oh, like, where's the disagreement in there now, right? It's wow. like, oh, I'm just going to pray it away. And I'm like, 
people have to get away from preaching prosperity and let people know like you you have to seek help you have to get the resources you need you need and it's okay like, yeah i mean so what was the the moment that you decided that you would you know seek wise counsel so i'm always like i've always been a person who has been like oh i'm not gonna do that or because i know like i've seen someone get themselves in a situation so like growing up, like I've always been almost introspective re- and just like and sitting back and kind of watching my environment and saying like, I want better for my life. But mm. I got to a point where I'm like, okay, I do all these things to make my life better, but I'm constantly trying to help people through their situations. And like I said, that burn, I felt that burnout and I'm like, I keep finding myself in the same burnout year after year after year. And and yes, I make it through it, but I'm like, okay, enough is enough. Maybe I can't do this on my own. Because like I said, I'm a note taker. Like I, everything that's in my head, I'd be like, oh, what could be a solution for that? What are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? And after so much of like saying, oh, I could do that, but there's, I'm not holding my own self accountable. I'm like, maybe I should talk to someone. Maybe there's a better solution solution maybe I can't be my own therapist because if I was if I could be my own therapist I would have did it already right right (laughs) exactly exactly you just can't you can't do that because you just reiterate the stuff that's in your in your brain your your own experiences you just reiterate them like oh yeah this is what I'm doing okay and you ask your brain what should I do do what you were doing (laughs) do it (laughs) then does it work too bad You know, I just put this together about how everybody comes to you as you're a therapist and they're like, I don't want therapy, but they'll come to you. And I wonder, I wonder, I mean, I think it's because there's a general mistrust of the medical system and everything like that. What would you tell Black people about that? What would you suggest to them if they they run into that issue? Um, So definitely one thing I said, there's a, a way you can find a therapist that's right for you. Um, don't just settle on anyone. I treat therapy like a hiring process, right? Mm -hmm. You are hiring the person you are paying it, whether it's coming from free medical insurance or paid medical insurance, you need to ask questions. You need to, um, be vigilant of how this person's energy make you feel. And if you do start therapy, because you, you vibe well during the interview process and you say, okay, I want to hire you, and this person shows you something different, it's okay to switch gears and say, I need someone else or this, this environment is not um, for me. And I, and I know that's easier said than done because when somebody show you that they kind of violated your trust or whatever. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, this is this is not right, and I gave it a try, and now that relationship can kind of be distorted, and now it's like it was almost like this validation for them, like uh-huh. mental wellness is not it's, for me. It's not <laughs> for you because they yeah. came and they saw a therapist who did exactly the things that they were expecting the therapist would do, which was just to mess up and to to get on their nerves or to make them feel really small or, or something, anything, just turn them off. And they're just yep. like, yep, this is what it was. It's therapy. That's it. But you're saying it's more like dating. Yeah. Like, like almost, it could be like a dating process to treat it like a dating process. You don't just necessarily say, Oh, nice to meet you. Now we're in a, re- hopefully people don't do that. Now we're in a relationship, but I don't know anything about you. Like, you have to ask people, what are your qualifications? What is your area of focus? Like, how do you think you can help me with this broad topic? Because you're not going to be upfront and like share everything with the therapist, like during this interview or dating process, right? <laughs> Hopefully. I, I hope just, so. I'm just thinking about the coronavirus and how everybody was like desperate. Like, I love you now. <laughs> One date. I love you now. Yes. <laughs> Look. <laughs> Uh, it, I, I'm hoping people are making wise decisions or I'm hoping I can provide some kind of education around doing so. So here's the other thing. It's like, yes, we could think about the negative or you can say, or I can be like, 
therapy is about do it's about self work. Your therapist is just your guide. Mm. Ultimately, they're there to listen, to validate, and just help you have a better understanding of, I guess, who you are by asking you questions and kind of giving you some kind of tips. But it's not like your therapist is your sister or your mom who you may tell them something and we all will have someone close to us who we may say, oh, I'm not going to share this. And I'm not saying this is everybody, but I'm just kind of, everybody has someone that they're, mm-hmm, they say they can confide in. It's like, don't tell anyone this. And mm-hmm. that's why a lot of people's trust is broken. And, and you look in the black community, like, and even older generations, it's like something happened in the home. Now the parent is calling and telling everybody. Telling grandma knows and auntie in in Virginia and auntie in North Carolina, <laughs> like everybody know your business, so it, it it makes you feel like I can't trust anyone, mm-hmm. and I feel like that that that's kind of deeply rooted in some people. Um, so I mean, the only way to like I feel like to have a trusted advisor is sometimes to get someone who doesn't know you can't have any prejudgment or can't take a side. Like it just, it makes you feel like you have your own person to kind of guide you through. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can't be my family's therapist or or sister or or anybody's therapist because eventually I'm going to be part of the problem. I'm going to be the thing that they want to talk about. And they need to talk to somebody who's neutral. (laughs) It's inevitable because I know I talk about them. (laughs) I know it. (laughs) So look, look, I'm I'm human too. So I've I've been there sometimes I may be like, look, this they they annoyed me. And I'm talking about that person who wanna disclose to me, but I'm just like when are they going to learn their lesson? But then mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to put myself in a position where I'm judging them, right? right? So it's like you, you need to go get help, right? Like, I, I can't say it in a different language. If I knew how, I would. But yeah, and the quality, although you have all the education and all this experience, I mean, the quality of help would be so much better because, of course, it's a different perspective. It's all neutral. You don't have anybody else. And you get to paint any kind of picture you want. If you go see the therapist, you get to sell up all your side because you're the good person in the situation. (laughs) Nobody can see any different. (laughs) And and people don't realize, like, even up front with the therapy relationship, you can start off with something light. And I tell people that start off with something light for the first couple weeks. Like what? See, you, you can kind of tell them, like, I'm struggling with something that's not too deep. Ah, uh, I don't, I don't know. Something that's example. not a crisis. Yeah, like something a... that's not a crisis. Cause you know, like some people just have these trust issues. They don't want to open up and see how they help you navigate that. I'm not saying oh. why, but it can just be like something on the softer side. Like, oh, I struggle with, um, or I don't get along with my sibling and my sibling make like, it, it yeah. can be something a little more lighthearted. That and makes see a lot of sense. And if they're validating your experience and then eventually as that therapeutic relationship is constantly being built, rapport is being built, you feel like you trust them a little more and it could be like, okay, look, yeah. this is like, I, I kind of, yes, I need help with that, but this is what I really need help with. Ah. I have abandonment issues. I have trust issues. I, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that idea so much. I hadn't thought about that, but I, I do that with people. When I meet people for the first time, yep. I test and see if they're interested in some of the same things I am. What is important to me? I kind of ask them questions about it. And if they, they act the way that I don't appreciate or, or think that, well, it's not going to work well, I might try yep. again, ask another kind of question and see how yep. that goes. But then boom, at the third time we're done. Um, yeah. I know that I can't go in that direction with you. I know that this thing is important to me. And you're not going to be an advocate for me. You're not going to help me. And yes. it's about going into this professional atmosphere, thinking yep. the same way. You have that same power and that same mm-hmm. autonomy to do so. I had not thought yeah. about doing that for, I hadn't even thought about that. I mean, I had my own therapist, but it just kind of was like, I did the thing that you're talking about here 
where I had a therapist who was terrible <laughs> and yep. I stayed with them for so many months because I thought, well, this is what it is. This is therapy. And it's not true. And and that's the biggest thing. And that's one thing that I hope to just stress to people is you do not have to accept circumstances that don't make you feel good. You don't have to keep people, um, places, things attached to you that are not that are not good for you, that don't make you feel good, that don't, I don't know, edify your spirit. Don't They don't enrich you. Like mm-hmm. when you get in a situation where you feel like a person has showed you who they are, trust them for who they are. Like, I don't know if you saw this video, but it was like a DMX clip, you know, since he passed away. Um, people have been sharing all these clips and he was like, people show up as who they are. It's, it's up to us to believe them. If they show up as a snake and they bite you and they tell your business, then believe they're probably going to do it again. Don't tell them something else. Mm-hmm. And, and I know it, it's deeper than that because some of us, or not some of us, but some people do have attachment or abandonment issues. So sometimes it's like, okay, I I, I told you something, so now I got to just see this through. Or mm-hmm. you told me one thing that was good, so maybe this relationship will become better. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, is if it doesn't sit well with you, you have to move on. It's okay to move on. The therapist, you are paying the therapist. Just like your job will fire you if you don't do what you got to do, <laughs> fire them. You're, You're fired. fired. <laughs> you don't have to give them an explanation. You don't have to give them two weeks. Nothing. You can just say, this is not sitting well with me. And maybe you just go through the same phase of, I don't know if you're calling 211 to get guidance on how you can find someone or you're going to like a psychology today or um, black girl therapy for black girls therapy or whatever girls. other platforms that exist. And now you're calling up and it's like, look, I had this horrible experience. Like, can you help me find someone? Or you start the hiring process all over again. You reach out to them via message and you say, Hey, this is what I'm I'm looking to do just like some general thing. And I would like to have a virtual consultation or phone consultation with you, ask you some questions, fill you out, see if you're the right fit for me. And that's what I did. I'm like, look, I want to know if you're the right fit for me. Screw is I like you, if you have, you're qualified to deal with things that I've struggled with, but if the vibe is the energy, whatever is not right. If it's off, if I don't like what you're saying to me, then I don't have to force myself to be in an environment that was not made for me. Dang. A moment of oh. silence for that. Let that sink <laughs> in because that's really important to know. It's all about what she was saying at the very beginning, self-care. You yeah. walking into this situation with a professional who is supposed to provide you care and you're not getting it, then practice your own self-care and get out. You're yeah. done. Wow. I mean, I think that's very powerful. So you've dedicated, I guess I'm going to say this because I've dedicated my life now to helping people build genuine connections and yeah. relieve loneliness. So you're dedicated to helping Black people with mental wellness and you've yeah. developed a, a podcast around it and everything. Can you tell us more about this podcast? Yes. Yeah, so the name of my podcast is Heal the Hurt You, and the purpose is just to um, educate um, Black people and anybody else who's listening, really, um, on what mental health is, why it is important, um, and just doing some of that work around taking the stigma away so that people realize it's important how you feel on the inside, it's, it, it's important um the way you feel on the outside if you can invest if you can go to the doctor for how you for a physical ailment then what about your your mind what about those times when you feel anxious or you feel depressed or you just have this negative emotion that you just can't shake like what do you do then like there are resources out there to to help you you can seek mental health help yeah, because when you get and it into... doesn't make you crazy. Sorry. Hey, exactly. <laughs> exactly, it doesn't. It makes you healthy. It's just it healthier. Makes you healthy. Yeah, because we we're built to talk to each other. We're yes. humans. 
And the concept of heal to hurt you is, like I told you, it's a breakdown of heal and then the T-H-Y and healthy is the hurt you. In order to be healthy, you have to do some internal healing. (laughs) Yes, I like that. In order to be healthy, you have to do some internal healing. It's all, it's everything throughout. It's not just your body. I mean, your mind is a part of that. Yeah. And, oh, that's really great. So, Man, I'm really excited to hear more about your podcast and learn more about it. I imagine that your podcast is going to be full of this great stuff that you talked about now about your experiences and and how I can get a therapist because, you know, I want to make sure that I've got the right person for me. And I wish I had something like this 10 years ago when I was searching, you know, for that. Now we've got more awareness. And I just think it's really great that you're bringing that out here for everyone. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So with that... um, I have just a couple more questions. Actually, just one. We're yep. going to wrap up here. So where can people find you? Um, you can find me at Hill the Hurt You on Instagram, um, HillTheHurtYou.com for my website. And I'm also going to be making a TikTok and it's going to be at Hill the Hurt You. Oh, great. And all that stuff will be in the show notes. I'll also link a couple of references. Do you have some references that you could share with us that... I, I could pass on to these people. I know therapy for black girls is a good reference to find a therapist. Yes. And the other one that I kind of recommend is psychology today because psychology that's kind today. of like a database of all different types of therapists and you can kind of filter it out so that you can find someone that is culturally competent, that you can find someone who is black. If you prefer a black therapist, um, you can find someone who deals with different things like anxiety, depression, um, life transition, or whatever your experience is, there is a specialty for it. And there's someone out there who's a good fit for you. But like I said, you got to treat it like a hiring process or a dating process, whatever you like. To whatever you like, <laughs> whatever you're comfortable with. You know, I... I said that was my last question and it is going to be my last question. So I'll probably have to listen to your podcast for this, but you dropped this phrase culturally competent and yeah. I want to know what that means and how to look for those things. But now is not the time to answer it. If you want the answer to those questions, you got to listen to her podcast, check it out. It's called heal the hurt you. Thank you so much, Jarena, for coming on today. Really appreciate it. Had a great conversation with you. Thank you so much, Lee, for allowing me on your platform. And I I hope to stay in touch and continue listening to the great episodes that you have on your Patterns of Possibility podcast. Thank you so much for joining me, Jarena. I had a really wonderful time talking to you. And I feel especially appreciative because I know that you value your time and you practice self-care, and you divvy up your time accordingly. And to share that with me, I am very, very humbled and grateful. Thank you so much. I can't say how happy I am about the work you do, and I'm sure that a lot of other people are going to be able to relate to you and your story, and hopefully they'll feel empowered with the tools that you shared with us today. My name's Lee Hopkins, my pronouns are he, him, his, and you have been listening to the Patterns of Possibility podcast. If you want more content like this, please like, subscribe, and share. Follow me on Instagram. I go live on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. Thanks for listening. Take care.